we need data about that. No, we need data to know how our body reacts. We need data to find out how our psychology reacts and how the, what the habits, the chemistry, for example. It's really interesting that for females in space, they have a lot less problems with their eyes and ears than men. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewrite Tech, the Deconium Developer Podcast. I'm Geraldine. And I'm Brad. And together, we look forward to discussing trends and developments in the tech industry today. And this episode, we're going to be speaking to Carmen Kula. She's an analog astronaut at the Austrian Space Forum in Astroland and takes part in Mars simulation missions. She's also busy inspiring children and women to work on STEM subjects and explore space. In addition to that, Carmen is also the CEO of P3R, which is involved in programming, photovoltaics, and public relations, a company she founded. And that's not even everything Carmen does. So we're very much looking forward to finding out more about all her passions and motivations during the next half hour of our podcast. Welcome to Rewrite Tech, Carmen. Hello. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So I feel like you have the best sentence in anybody's short bio, <laughs> which uh, I'll read it out. <laughs> it reads, after training as a hairdresser, she studied mathematics and meteorology at the Freie Universität Berlin and received a doctorate in astrophoric physics. So basically, you went from being a hairdresser to a rocket scientist. <laughs> Can you walk us through yeah. that? What happened there? <laughs> It's, um, that, that in school I always thought like oh if I would study then I would study math which I loved but I thought that I was not competent enough for that and then I cut hair since I'm 10 so for me it was supernatural to then just do a hairdresser uh, apprenticeship because I wanted to do like makeup artist things in the theater or something and then so I just after high school right away I went on vacation after that I started my hairdressing so and, that, that and then you started, you started training to be a hairdresser, which is one of the, like I said in the beginning, you seem to have many, many passions. So that's one talent you had. And then, and then what, how do you change your mind? Was there like a key moment or something that happened for you to sort of gain that confidence to say you're going to give it a shot? Well, I had like, I mean, I, I always have really great people around me, but at that time I had one guy that I, a professor that I cut the hair off and then we had the normal hairdresser, chitty chatty, you know, and he's like, oh, so do you read? And then I was like, yeah, I'm reading. And he's like, oh, what book are you reading? And at that time it was Famas Letzter Satz, so Famas Last Sentence, I guess. It's in English or something similar. And it's a book about like a mathematical proof. And then mm. he's like, huh? Yeah, of course, a hairdresser reads a book about a mathematical proof. And then he's like, oh, are you into maths? And I was like, yeah, absolutely love it. But I always thought that I would not be capable of doing it. And then he always continued coming every time and he brought me like math programs and he like kind of like pushed me and he said like, oh, but if you, if you're totally passionate about it, then, then you're good at it and you should give it a shot. And then I was like, hmm. And yeah, then I gave myself half a year after the hairdressing to become a makeup artist. And then I decided to study maths. <laughs> it was the first time I sat there in the university and I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And then the professor was there at the front and was a bit of an older one. And then he was there writing like just, just equations and equations and all these all these letters and then I was like oh I was totally in love yeah. so I was like, okay this is where I'll stay <laughs> <laughs> so what was the moment where you stopped having imposter syndrome like were the first weeks at university still time that you were unsure if this is something you can do and what was that moment where you just shook off that feeling like this is my career now 
Uh, sorry, wh what do you mean with stop? <laughs> I don't think that it ever stops. So <laughs> I still wonder what I did there. So yeah. So if other people read my biography to my to me, I'm like, oh, is that that me you're talking about? So yeah, it's a bit surreal still, <laughs> even though it's a bit of some years ago. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, honestly, it's a, it's an amazing story. Um, and like I mentioned before, I I love the idea of being an astronaut. And um, with regards to it, you're the first German female analog astronaut. Maybe you can walk us through what entails actually being an analog astronaut uh, for the people who don't know. Yeah, so that's a whole different story. So um, so the thing is that, that, yeah, I always wanted to be an astronaut because of I loved Star Trek and MacGyver so much. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then a friend of mine he said, oh, I know that you want to be an astronaut, but maybe if you can accomplish that, maybe you can become an analog astronaut at the Austrian Space Forum. And there was this call for analog astronauts and I had this super cool video you can look at in the, uh, on YouTube and you have this person in the sky in a space who like walking through like what it looks like Mars. And I was like, oh my God, I, I want to do that, exactly that. And I was reading the Martian at the time. I was like, oh, that's that sounds Great, no? And then, um, so analog astronauts are actually scientists or people like us that, that um, do science on the in Mars-like environments on Earth. So we get trained like uh, analog to astronauts, no? And, and we study the Mars analog and on analog fields that look like Mars. So we were, for example, in 2015, we were, went to the Kaunatala Glacier which has permafrost, mm. which also has, uh, which is on Mars as well. And then 2018, we went to Oman and that was my favorite wow. mission to now. And that, because we were for a month, we were in Oman and it looked like we had this huge habitat. And if you look at pictures, it looked like, like a Martian thing. And we had a spacesuit simulator, which weighs around 50 kilos and it takes two hours to put on. So you really have this slow, slow turn into get, getting from Earth to, to Mars because it just takes so long to put on and you have like an exoskeleton so all of your movements is really like make, made worse because it sim simulates a pressure suit like you see those huge things from the EVAs now that the astronauts have from the ISS when they go outside and so it should simulate that so you actually have this bulky thing yeah, weighing 50 kilos and then you have the ventilation and everything is super loud and inside and, and you have this this distorted vision and then you just go outside in Oman and you just have this desert and this endless view when it's super, super beautiful. Because in the first mission on the Kaunatal Glacier, it was like more of a touristic place. And like sometimes you sat there and you got like, oh, let's take a picture. And you had some kid on your, on your <laughs> lap, you know, and you're like, oh, I think I'm Santa Claus or something. Yeah. You know? and then, like make your wish. Do you want to become an astronaut? Which is beautiful as well. But like in Oman, it was super great because we had this isolation and it was a totally different world. And that was a great, great experience. Wow. And for Astroland, I go into caves. And that they have like a in northern Spain, they have a cave. And that's where I actually was last weekend uh, as a mission commander. And uh, yeah, because we say that on, on Mars, you would probably live in lava tubes because of the radiation, because right? it's right. You know, it has less radiation. But that also means that you have to uh, be a lot more autonomous now because uh, also with the, with the communication, everything, you have the time lag anyway. But also, of course, if you're in lava tube, you're going to have less communication. And then, yeah. So we're doing studies in lava, in, in simulated lava tubes on uh, the caves on Earth. I don't even know where to start. It's yeah, all, it's all awesome. It's all awesome. It's, 
endlessly awesome. And I mean, um, so how how is your work uh, being being utilized today? So is it is it is it anything being done with uh, kind of space exploration now, prepping for it, or is it more like uh, when when you're there, uh, and how does it work with the habitat cultures on Mars? Maybe you can walk walk us through how your work today is going to be impactful for today, tomorrow, and then in. 20 years? I don't know. You tell me when we're moving to Mars. I don't know when. <laughs> well, we hope, of course, to go to Mars super, super soon. Yes. But the first, the first uh, steps now will be to go to the, back to the moon. But it's been a long time since we've been there. So it was, I mean, this last year they celebrated fifth anniversary of the moon, no? And 50th, and, and yeah, we haven't been back since 72, which is quite crazy, I think. I mean, we're, we were capable of back then, no? And like, when, you know, yeah, when the computer power yeah. was a lot less than now, and when now we have the mobiles, I'm like, can I not just go to the moon with this, you know? But yeah. um, <laughs> um, so how yeah. it works with the Austrian Space Forum is actually that they get like different experiments. They have like call for experiments that we will do on the analog Mars, so to say. So we have different universities or also students or companies that give us a, yeah different experiments that they want to research because also what is really important is like the psychological side behind it no? so we have mm -hmm. also a lot of psychological studies what happens when when will you get, get stressed or what will you eat so we have like nutritionists like helping us with what kind of food we're going to eat for example i doing missions i'm always vegan because i think that there are really no cows on mars mm -hmm. as far as we know by now and so i think that vegan is a lot more realistic so i always go vegan on the missions and also see like how does my body react to that and, um, and I think that's a yeah, the psychological part of it as well. I mean, that's super interesting to see, okay, who, who would you go to Mars with actually? And also how the, the yeah. astronauts are changing from back in the days to now, because I mean, back in the days, there were all those fighter pilots and stuff, and there were a lot more alpha people. But now if you say, okay, let's go to Mars, you're going to sit in a capsule with other people for eight months. And then you're going to arrive on Mars, be there for about a year, and then come back for eight months. And you want to have nice people around you, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's, there was all those studies and um, all those, uh, those biospheres. What was it back in the '90s that oh, they yeah, started yeah. these things? Yeah. And the biggest problems were the intercultural, and the people were just going crazy, and they had that hive mentality that was going on, and like factions created. Oh, yeah, it's all uh, super cool stuff. So, so maybe also you can tell us what's it actually like? So you, you get the mission briefing from a university or a, a private company or something like that. So what's it like to go on a Mars mission uh, on Earth? Well, I think it's really, really interesting because you really set the mood. You need to set the mood before, right? You like have some kind of training. You, um, you go, for example, now that we went to the cave, you we, we arrive at the cave or we have like training before also and then and then we arrive there and then you put on the spacesuit simulator because you're not allowed to be out in the atmosphere right without protection and then you put that on and then in that cave for example super dark and you have the the visor and everything and then you arrive at the habitat so you really need to set the mood and then what is a very different to our normal life on earth well actually it's not so different if i think about it but, but every minute is tacked through because but, but the thing is that you did get the daily activity plan you get from the other from the mission support or control center so other people actually make your plan i think we probably do our own plan hopefully um which is also tacked it through when we work but um it's really different if somebody else tells you okay this is your daily activity plan at 6 30 you're gonna get up then you have until seven o'clock to get washed and everything at seven o'clock you're gonna have breakfast until 7 15 at seven or no and then at 7 15 you're gonna have an interview for 15 minutes and so it's like 
and everything is super tacked through. And that was for me, it was really interesting being a, being a commander last week because I had to make sure that everybody keeps their schedule as well. And then you're like, okay, now, so what, what are we doing now? And then briefing, debriefing, and, and having all of that. And as well, um, as an astronaut, you're actually, you're the eyes and hands of the, the scientists because they tell you what they want to know. I mean, I, I'm not a biologist, mm -hmm. for example, and we were looking for life in the cave, for example. So you have to know, okay, what, what should, do I have to do? What, what do you have to know as a scientist on Earth to, to use the probes that we take in space or on, on Mars space, no, the analog Mars, which is super interesting because you cannot know everything, even though astronauts are super well trained. But uh, exactly that, like being the hands and eyes of the scientists, of other people, I think that's really, really interesting. Because at the end, you're just, yeah, you have experimental, uh, not animals, but yeah, animals, kind of, no? Guinea yeah, pigs, exactly. got you're it. A bit of a guinea pig. I mean, you, you're glad you get like, uh, psychology is tested, they test you with food, they test you when they deprive you of water. I mean, like everything is tested, no? So we kind of make pave the way to Mars. Oh, it's so interesting, Carmen. I had to stop myself from going on a Google drive about lava tubes on Mars as you were speaking. But I think we shall link up a couple of um, articles around that in the blog that goes along with this podcast so people can, yeah, can do that and learn more about that. I just want to pick up on the fact, as Brad mentioned, that you were the first female analog astronaut to do this um, for Germany. It seems crazy that happens in so many different um, areas of medicine and science that people would, you know, test, spend a long decades testing things, but not consider the female body might react differently. Do you feel obviously like being a pioneer in this, that you're also <laughs> taking a step, not just for mankind, but for feminism, yeah. being the first of your kind there? Um, I must say it's, it, there, there's two pieces, uh, two sides of that medal, no? Because on the one hand side, um, you're the first female and, and you're as such I was yeah of course I had more, more interviews and then I was a lot more interesting for the media but also I wanted to be be one of the the guys no because I mean all, all of the others were, were males we always uh, for me it was important that we always stayed in one room for example we all always slept in one room we did everything together I didn't want to like for example when we yeah were in the hotel that I have a different room and all the guys are in one room because then you're also a bit on the exterior so um, I think it's really nice that, that as far as, as I got the feedback that I'm one of the guys, no? So, um, <laughs> but on the other hand, of course, I mean, as I said before, that the space simulator, it weighs 50 kilos. Um, the, the shoes are for men before, no? So, so everything was a lot heavier, a lot bigger for me. So that also means that it's more effort, no? And then, so I think that it's important to also take that into account to to say of course yeah we need females but also to make things also good for females then no for example like on the international space station they have like the they have place where they can put their shoes so they don't float away but uh but now when you have the females you know, so they are often they cannot reach the place where they have the experiments if they put their feet in there no because they're too short and then they cannot reach and so it's made a bit more difficult no through those things for females so i think it's super great to have pioneers of females and then really also work with that and say, okay, what do we need to also include more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So why why should we go to Mars? <laughs> Where's your sort of scientific quest in this? So I'm sure it's not just to find a second home whilst we're busy ruining this planet. <laughs> why should we be exploring about living on other planets and especially interested in Mars? 
Well, I do think that that humankind, or that we're as humans, we're explorers, we're curious, we want to know things. And um, I mean, going to Mount Everest, no, it was because we're because it's there. No, why do you go there? Because it's there. And so that's of course that's one reason to go. Um, and then also, I think it's it's really important to learn about other planets and to be able to. Um, to learn how it developed. I mean, if you look at Mars, how it used to be, it was supposed to have water, right? And it was supposed to look very similar to, to Earth. And then the magnetic field stopped. And then and then the atmosphere kind of went away in space, right? And now we have what we have today. And Mars has only what has uh, atmosphere, but it has 1% of the atmosphere that we have here on Earth. And it has 95% CO2. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. It also has like, weather and, and everything and this has clouds and and it's super interesting from a meteorological point of view as well but we we then people say like let's terraform it for example no and then i mean everything that we can learn on mars we can totally use for earth if we would terraform it i mean if we can terraform another planet then we can definitely terraform earth of course but on the other hand if you terraform mars then then you still have the problem that the atmosphere would, would just fly away again no so it would i think it's it's just um, that, that if we think about those problems that we have now on Mars, or if we take probes there and, and see what happened to life, what happened to nature, everything there, like we can just really adapt it to Earth. And I mean, that's a lot what we do also when we go to space on the International Space Station. We have problems that, that the bones kind of, that they, um, they reduce, no? And so, so they found new medicine for osteoporosis through that. No, it's a lot what we learn in space is we can use for Earth. And I think that's really, really important. And I think space travel is so cool. Yeah. You know I mean? like it's, and I think it's a, I mean, just go on the rocket and just fly somewhere else and like be in space for eight months, like no, 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 yeah. just fly around. I mean, that, that would be super cool. And it's, and it's for, psychologically, it's really interesting. And I mean, just imagine if something happens on earth and then we all have to go into bunkers and then we have to know also the psychology around that. No. And then it's also, I mean, we understand the, the human body a, a lot more. And also what you were saying before about the first uh, female analog astronaut. I mean, I'm also working for the first female uh, German astronaut because there have been 11 men until now in space, a German men, but there's never been a German woman. And also that is super interesting because we need also, we need data about that. No, We need data to know how our body reacts. We need data to find out how our psychology reacts and how the, what the habits with the chemistry, for example, it's really interesting that for females in space, they have a lot. Uh, they have a lot less problems with their eyes and ears, mm. and than than men. And you're like, hmm, okay, we know that. Of course, we have different hormones, but like the eyes and ears, like I thought that they would be quite similar, right? But they they react super different in space, which is sort of I think it's really interesting, and that's part that it's the thing that we still need to understand, which we until now we don't. So we need data and science. Yeah, and I think uh, if everybody had a little bit of um, space exploration training, we wouldn't be having such a hard time dealing with COVID lockdown or wearing masks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. is I mean, like, you know, there's been obviously different phases in the last decades of governments seeing this as the one thing that they need to prove their grand imperialism with and, and have space be the next frontier to governments like pulling out all kinds of funding and leaving it up to private sector to take the field of space exploration up. And now this kind of hybrid where we're seeing a lot of different forms of 
government and private sector cooperation in this field. What would you say, like, do you feel governments should be investing more into this field and into this kind of scientific exploration? Should there be more also support for businesses, startups um, from a public hand getting into this? Or do you feel it's okay that we have like, you know, the Elon Musks of the world taking up this uh, field for themselves? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's really special time that we're living at to actually see the Elon Musks, for example, because I think we need people like Elon Musk to to be a visionary. No? I mean, it's a, it's great how he's, he's a role model and, and he is able to do things quick because he's not with the government. I mean, if you have those huge operations, everything just takes a long time, of course, because they it's dependent on the presidencies, it's dependent on the government. And if you have the commercial people, they can just quickly react, right? And they can just quickly um, just change their, their the, the whole show, no? And so I think it's the, the public-private partnerships that are occurring. I think that's really, really good thing. And I also think that, that um, commercializing the sector is very good because especially also for for space tourism and all that, I mean, it's all development and all goes in the science direction for all of that. We need we need uh, different jobs. We need uh, different people and, and, and young people, especially with visions and that are motivated, that are innovative. And I think that that lives a, leaves a lot of room for them to, to do that. And so I think that it's quite good how it's uh, in what kind of direction it's going at the moment, because if you look at the uh, how it happened with the aircrafts, no, I mean, it used to be aircrafts used to be a military thing. And now look at us like flying daily because uh, mm -hmm. it also also the same trend, right? Because it came from the governmental side, and now everybody's using it on a daily basis. I would love to go to space. So <laughs> yeah, and, I would love to go on a space holiday as well. <laughs> or, or or I mean that would be great. Or just like oh wait, I'll just go chill out on the moon for a sec. You know, I just kind of need some space. Need some space. <laughs> oh, I need uh -huh. some thin air. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Feel a little lighter, you know, nice and lighter there. Uh, so you you mentioned a lot of the, uh, the 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 children the kids who are you know are like really you're trying to pave the way for them and, and you do a lot of work uh, with with kids nowadays to to follow in your footsteps uh, so maybe you can kind of tell us about your engagements uh, at the Roberta Initiative uh, and Code for Space because those are some great initiatives that you are working with around kids these days and helping them move forward in this field exactly but I told you before that that my my way was kind of that I was a hairdresser because. I was too shy to study math, right? And so I thought like, oh, and now I love programming. And I was like, okay, so, and I worked with the astronauten and then, and I was like, okay, education would be something that I would love to do. I love it when kids get so motivated. I mean, it's crazy when you rock up there as an unlock astronaut, everybody's just like hanging on you. You feel like a Christmas tree. <laughs> I'm getting a bit of a Christmas spirit, I think today, because it's so cold outside. I just sit here with my blanket. And then, um, so yeah, and they're just, and it's crazy how much you can, inf uh, like, also, yeah, motivate them. Not, I mean, I don't want to influence them. It's just like, to, if they're interested in it, that just take out the core and just get them motivated, right? And I just think that everybody should do what they what they love. And but but for to be able to do that, they have to be aware of that it exists as well, no? So, I have with Code for Space, it was like that. That I was like, okay, I love computing. I think that that when you have small kids in elementary school that you have the biggest impact because you do not have the gender bias yet. They're not too mm -hmm. aware of all of that. And then, so you have the biggest impact then. And I was like, okay. And I looked, I looked it up. Who's interested in like, they have, they have females in STEM and girl, putting girls into STEM. And then was Fraunhofer EIES, the Roberta Initiative. And then I called them up and I was like, um, hi, Torsten, this is Corman. Do you want to start something with the astronaut? And he's like, okay, yeah, let's go. And then... <laughs> Yeah, two years later, <laughs> we 
we will now have the Code for Space project, which is an elementary um, wettbewerb. Mm -hmm. Competition? Competition, thank you very much. Yeah, it's an elementary school competition in the German, uh, uh, Austria, Switzerland, or Germany. That's that's amazing, and I, I think kids. Uh, there's there's an old saying about how children like they they ask the big questions. Uh, you know, like why is why is the sky blue? Why are uh, why is the grass green? When then like they always have these wild dreams about being crazy things, and then they get like 15 years old. They're like, oh, I want to be a, a banker, and you're like, oh, no, no, <laughs> no. 12 year old should be saying that. Yeah, yeah. But if you put that seed in them when they're so small, right? Exactly. Then, then it just changes the whole thing. And it's so cute because if I, I, it's more teach the teachers at the moment, the code for space. So we're teaching teachers to teach their students and then they can hand in their experiments for, in which in the final experiment will actually fly to the international space station. And really? then we have a laptop with the mission control center in the school. And then they control the, the mini computer, the Kaliupa mini. On the ISS, I mean that is cool. That is cool. That's adorably <laughs> cute. Kids taking care of uh, experiments. So, can you can you share some of the results with us? Is that possible? Uh, what what course, some of these kids of are like thinking up? Yeah, yeah, of course. And the, but the cool thing is that the teachers are always like, "But I don't know. But I mean, what can you do in space? I don't know. What what kind of experiments could you do in space?" And it's like. Don't worry about it. The kids will come up with them. You don't need to yeah. know. Just, just tell them, oh, yeah, okay, this is for space. And then you don't have to think about it. Because I think that the older we get, the more limited a lot of people also Of course. Get. And that's why I think that's another reason why I think we should go to Mars to just broaden our horizon. Because a lot of people, no, let's stay on Earth. No, I want to stay here in, in, in my, my city. I want to know to getting more local. And, and it's just mm. giving a bit of a bigger picture. And I mean, there are different planets. And then I think as soon as you think about going to Mars... You also think a lot more about Earth because, no, a lot of people, I, I mean, almost nobody wants to go to Mars. Well, in my, my field, a lot of people want to. But like if you talk to normal <laughs> people on the street, they're like, no, I don't want to. And it's because I mean, why don't you want to go to Mars? Because you could not breathe, because you could not walk around with a spacesuit, because you have problems with the radiation. But I mean, if you look at what we do to our planet, it just, I mean, that's not the best either, eh? Mm -hmm. So I, I think it really makes you think about Earth in a different different way. So that's also what I like about Mars exploration. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's a great uh, viewpoint you have of it. And um, back to all all these things that you're doing with, with the kids nowadays. Do you, do you think these type of competitions that you're running, you know, the, the science hack days and all these other type of competitions, are enough, or would you like to see some something change in our in the current education system uh, locally and internationally around? Uh, you know, science and space and more away from the classical education things that we all got pushed through. Well, I think that we're, we're living in different, in a different generation at the moment, right? I mean, the kids are digital natives. Everybody has a mobile. And then if a girl tells me like, Oh, I don't, I can't do anything with technology. I'm like, look at you with your mobile. I mean, like you're installing apps like crazy. <laughs> you're debugging things, you know, if something doesn't work. I mean, they, the, the kids nowadays are all, doesn't matter if they're female or male or diverse, they're all capable of using technology. And that is something great. And, and also what, what is really changing our educational system, I think, is that everything is available on the internet. I mean, I remember like when I had, when we were in school, I mean, we had to research, we had to went to the, to the library and we're like looking for the little cards and looked for like, some interpretations on books or whatever. And nowadays you just Google it and then, you know, you find everything online, which is also sometimes not so good because you don't, Kids, kids don't think that much anymore. But I think that if we really use the internet as was it is nowadays, we can use it a lot more for the educational system. And I think that's a great opportunity. Totally agree. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it's, I mean, um, yeah, it's been super impressive. I think the, the passion that you have for your job and for inspiring other people to follow in your footsteps really, yeah, it just really becomes so apparent when when you're listening to you speaking. Um, but before we run out of time on our podcast, I wanted to invite you to share a little bit about what else you do, because this is not all, as I said in the introduction, although it'd be enough to fill anybody's <laughs> calendar. But you also run your own company apart from um, training um, for Mars missions on Earth and, and inspiring <laughs> kids. So yeah, tell us a little bit about P3R and what you do there. Okay, yeah, because maybe I should say that because the whole Mars simulation things I do in my free time. Oh, so, just on the side. Just, just on the side. So, uh, yeah, you know, where, where do you go on vacation? I go to Mars. I go power walking, but you go to Mars. It's fine. It's totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in my real life, I actually uh, have my own company. It's called a P3R. Uh, we were wondering uh, before. We thought you must be, an, uh, as an astronaut, it must be P3R. So yeah. thanks for yeah, correcting. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, uh, it was, but it was really spontaneous because I was living and working in Italy. And then suddenly I had all these projects because the astronautin was starting. And uh, the first female German astronaut was starting. And then... I had a different project in West Africa, full stack embedded, where we like did programming with students and and all of that. And then and then I had a Mars mission coming up, which is also this month. No, and I was like, oh, what should I do with my life? You know. And then and then I was like, okay, I just form my own company, and then I can do all my projects. And then so I called it P cubed R, and at that time it was programming because of programming project. It was uh, photovoltaics because I'm also part of the International Energy Agency for Renewable Energy things, and then. It was public relation for the astronauten. And then I was like, okay, P cubed R. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this cool pi, you know, pi cubed and then R for radius and just do this really nice uh, yeah, equation. Then my a friend of mine was like in, in the, the marketing business, like that's too geeky car, man. Yeah, so P cubed R remained, but I was not, was not told I was told to not put a pi. But um, now everything, as you notice already, I'm a bit organic. So, uh, so I changed the, the company changed now, and so now it's programming pals, uh, physicists, and rebels. Those are the three P and the R, and uh, and I have a couple of friends that work with me, and we just work on what we love because I think you're always good when with the things that you love. You're always capable of doing that, and that's when things work. And um, so, also we are quite yeah quite different people, but basically my company deals with. Um, using data to understand and to improve the world. Yeah, and so there we have different projects for ones like using satellite data from Copernicus, for example, for renewable energy applications. And another project is the Code for Space. So we have the education one as well. And so in, in general, I would just say that, that um, yeah, it's just a technology-based uh, company where we try to improve uh, our world and other worlds with innovations. Well, that sounds so beautiful, Carmen. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, it really does. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit goosebumps because, again, it just like shows that there's sort of a, a common thread in the things, all the different things that you do, um, and they all excite you equally. And I'm curious, do you think the fact that you already had like one 
relatively stark change in your biography, in your life, like making that one decision to like try something new, that it gave you the liberty to test and try out new things now? Like you took that step once, so maybe you found the courage within you to say, I, I can have a company that tries out different things and that can explore different parts of my interests and and see see where this journey goes rather than having, you know, one business model canvas that you fill out once <laughs> and and then just have a, like a this sort of linear path to one product. Um, I think that, that all my life I've always looked at the best and worst case. And then and if you want to do something new in life, best case is you're going to be super, super happy. And worst case is that you have to change again, no? And I thought also when I, when I started studying math, I was like, okay, If, I, if this doesn't work, then I just do something else, no? And so, and, and I think that um, also with the company, I mean, it's, I formed the company and then I thought, okay, if it doesn't work out, I just, uh, I would hope to find a job somewhere else and be employed somewhere. And I think uh, if you're passionate as, as it, about things, then I think that you would find a job somewhere. So I just think that you should just test the waters and see what, what, what happens. Because in, as I say, in the best case, you're a super, super happy person. Absolutely. That should be everybody's priority, right? And then the rest kind of falls into place if you're happy with yourself and your life. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> that, that, that's amazing. Before we wrap up, Carmen, I got to ask you, you know what, since you are an astronaut, all right, I got to ask, ask the big questions here. All right? <laughs> yeah. So I need to know, so which movie got it right with regards to space travel and the science because this is something that's been very critiqued in the science community about which movie and they say you know that's flying the wrong way this is flying the wrong way so which movie got it right with regards to the science in space and second what's your favorite space movie i need to so know everything <laughs> the movie that got everything right was mars attacks <laughs> now, now we're thank you now we're talking <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Anybody who's there's going to be a bunch of 22 year olds listening right now who have no idea what that movie is. But they if you haven't watched it, <laughs> you got to watch that movie. Um, I actually think that The Martian was really good. I really, uh, ah, good I choice. must say that I, I really like that. I mean, of course, everything is a bit Hollywood now, and then uh, every movie you're a bit like, mm, or like with Interstellar as well. I mean, yeah, there were like papers about what kind of black holes there were and yeah. that or whatever, you know, and I, and I must admit that I did look at some of the papers and I was, when I was watching Interstellar, I had like two geeks next to me and they're like, no, this cannot be, the, the wave height cannot be like this because of that, <laughs> the, the, no, the equations that doesn't work like this. And then I was like, it's a movie, you know, but um, yeah, I do think that, that The Martian is really well done. And love it. Yeah. So I think and Mars Attacks. And Mars Attacks. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, if you haven't watched the movie Mars Attacks, that has a jam-packed cast of some <laughs> crazy stars in that movie. I remember watching that as a kid, just going, this movie's amazing. So I love I love that you said Mars Attacks. Thank you, Carmen. <laughs> But I do have a favorite one. It's just The Right Stuff. I love that one. Oh, the Right Stuff. Yeah. Okay. I love that one. All right. Yeah, it just kind of moves me. And it just wants me to fly <laughs> Fight, you know, fighting falcon <laughs> <laughs> or, or ride something really quick. Oh, and the oh, Top Gun I love as well. And, top, and then the second part is coming out. It is. And Tom Cruise wants to go to space as well. So, yeah. He'll be 50. He won't stop. He'll still be Top Gun. Exactly. So many recommendations and things to look <laughs> forward to. I myself, I'm going to go and research about lava tubes for the rest of the day now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Carmen, it's been really wonderful to have you on our show. It's been super inspiring listening to you. And we're going to put down a bunch of links for people to follow up with the things that you spoke about, not just Lava Tubes, but also Code for Space and some of your other projects. Uh, you mentioned your NGO, Full Stack and Bed as well, so people can go and learn more about your work. And, and of course, we wish you success on all these fronts and that you keep following everything with such passion and come back on the show to tell us about new new things that you're up to soon well thank you very much it was great talking to you because you're both so passionate about it as well i can tell you also we were perfect all analog astronauts. but let let me tell you we're all astronauts on the planet on the spaceship earth there you go another beautiful quote to wrap things up <laughs> i myself am uh I'm very happy to have gone on this little on this little exploration with you. <laughs> and um, yeah, Brad, um, so sometimes a half an hour is just too short. This could have been I know. way, way longer. It was fantastic talking to you, Carmen. It was such a, 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 a even a personal thing for me around this topic. Uh, and if you like the podcast, please follow Rewrite Tech. Uh, we are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are everywhere. Follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram to see more from Geraldine and I. We have new guests coming every two to three weeks where we deep dive into different tech topics. And it was an honor to have Carmen here today. So please follow Rewrite Tech with Geraldine and I, and we will see you all soon. Well, thank thank you. you very much, Geraldine and Brad. It was a pleasure.